This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. The brain. His passion is to help business owners locate the funding they need to take their business to the next level. And he says the process can move swiftly and often without having to leverage personal collateral to get the deal done. Brian Deneen is the owner of Trinity Express Lending. Let's find out how he does it. Joining us from his offices near Chicago today, of course, he works in Milwaukee as well, is Brian Deneen. He's the owner of Trinity Express Lending. Brian, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. The community banking and even the large banking environment, Brian, has uh, not been as friendly for some time to the small businesses uh, that are seeking capital. Talk about the challenges uh, you know about and you've seen in the space you work in, the challenges for small business owners to get funding. Yes. Well, I think since our recession hit, the banks have been a little more cautious with the riskier type loans, which generally small business loans and particularly small businesses that are newer tend to be a little bit higher risk than, uh, say, your mid-size or large corporation. And so what's happened with the community banks in particular, and and even some of the regional banks, is that if they can't get a customer funded in a government-guaranteed program, which essentially reduces their risk substantially, they tend not to do the loan. And so every business that goes to a smaller bank for funding needs to make sure that they meet all of the requirements for an SBA or USDA type loan. If they cannot meet all of those requirements, they're likely not going to get funded. Okay, excellent. So these guarantees, these government guarantees under these programs are very, very key in terms of what banks are willing to lend, who they're willing to lend to. Talk about how you found your way into this business you now do and some of the mechanisms that make it easier for your clients to obtain the funding they need. Well, I about uh, 10 years ago, uh, I decided to make a career change. I had been in the uh, remodeling and construction industry And uh, I had a friend who had been in commercial banking and was working for a private lending firm. And we had known each other for a while and developed an ongoing relationship. And uh, he said, well, why don't you come over to our firm and, and learn this business? So I had been through attempting to get funding for a small business. I owned my own remodeling firm and uh, we did a buyout. My partner bought me out. So that obviously required some financing. So I had been through the process myself and found it very interesting, challenging, but very interesting. 
So I decided to work my way into this business, went to work for his firm or the firm that he was part of and uh, got into it uh, around 10 years ago and have been in it ever since. Beautiful. So are there particular sectors that you tend to focus on as you build your business lending for small businesses or mid-sized businesses? Are there particular sectors that you seem to be attracted to or that are attracted to you? You know, not really. Because I have an array of products and tools in the belt, so to speak, I'm fairly industry agnostic. Okay. Uh, what I really look for is is businesses that have revenue, ongoing revenue that's been fairly steady for a while. We've talked about the reason that banks, the small community banks, and even some of the larger or mid-sized banks are unable to lend to potential borrowers because of the risk or perceived risk, their inability to qualify for an SBA or USDA product. But where does your capital come from? And how is it that you're able to create capital in a world where it would not otherwise be creatable within the banking system? The capital comes from private sources, and that, that can comprise different types of structures. I deal with some family offices. So those are wealthy families that set up an, uh, an alternative investment vehicle to invest in loaning money out to businesses and get a return. It's their way of diversifying their holdings. I also deal with uh, funds, private funds. Those can be structured in a number of different ways. Some of them have private individual investors that invest into the pool that the fund lends out. Some have institutional backing, but basically they're structured such that it's a private investment vehicle for whoever invests in it, and they're not subject to FDIC or state bank regulations. So therefore, what they do is, depending on how the fund's mandate is set up, they will look at different specific characteristics of small businesses to determine whether or not they're eligible for their type of funding. There are revenue-based products, and the way those are underwritten is strictly based on the cash flow into the business and how the money comes into their business banking account, what the average daily balance is, what the minimum balance that they allow is, and so forth, because it's going to be drawn, the repayment for the loan is going to be drawn out of that account. So they're strictly looking, that's the primary underwriting factor, is okay. the revenue in business. There are other funds say that um, I have funds that do asset-based lending, and they're looking at the assets that are non-real estate primarily. So that would be receivables, inventory, equipment, and their primary concern is the value of the collateral. So is the collateral valuable enough that if in the worst case scenario, which is the way lenders are always going to look at things, and I have to seize that collateral and liquidate it, can I get whole again with the money I've lent out? They, they don't have to concern themselves so much about requirements uh, of a government regulation agency or a government agency. They concern themselves with their focus in terms of what they want to lend against and whether or not the customer can meet the requirements on those particular items. Sure. So these are internally generated uh, parameters that they're looking at because it's private money. It makes total sense. Um, thank you for that. That really is helpful uh, to me and to our listeners. So I'm guessing that in most cases, we're not talking about any kind of equity product or equity uh, for capital formation in terms of the work you're doing. Is that correct? I'm glad you asked that because I think it fills a little bit of a gap. You know, equity money, 
those are investors and they're kind of gamblers and they know that that they're going to have some some crashes with their investments so they want the winners that they invest in to get them a you know a very healthy return so usually equity investors are are looking for over a 20%, sometimes up to a 50% return. I think that these private lending sources fill the gap because yes, it's more expensive than bank money, but it's not going to be as expensive as equity. So that's that's the gap that we sort of fill. And the other thing that we can offer a small business owner is he doesn't have to dilute the ownership of his company. Absolutely. A non-dilutive, folks, that means simply you're not going to be taking partners in, arguably, much less expensive capital than equity. What's the range of, of, I guess this is probably dependent on the size of the business and the amount of cash flow they're generating, but give us a sense of scale. I guess I'm looking for quantification. So how long should a business be in business in order to work with you? And um, how much can they expect to be eligible for? And I realize this may vary from capital source to capital source, but just give us, if you can put some kind of a sense of of, uh, quantification around these questions, that'd be great. Sure. In my world, a, a business only has to be in business for six months to qualify for one of our programs. Wow. Okay. Which is different than say an SBA where you've got to be in business two years or, or more. Well, yeah. a bank is going to yeah. require. Yeah. In terms of what they can qualify for, that depends on the product type and it depends on on the size of the business. But I can kind of give you a characteristic of our typical customer. Our typical customer does between a half a million and 10 million a year in revenue. They're, they're looking for anywhere from 100,000 up to 5 million in in lending, and uh, they have cash flow and working capital needs. So those that kind of generally describes the customers that we work for. As as you mentioned, the amounts vary from business to business. I I can go all the way down to five or ten thousand for my revenue based loans. Sure, I can go all the way up to ten million for some of my asset based products. I would say the average request that I see somewhere around two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand. So that's kind of the, the the middle of the bell curve in your market. Yes. So uh, does does the work you do include what I'll call project? Uh, and I guess this would fall more into asset based and possibly with a little bit of a nuance of a startup. But for example, um, real estate development and those sorts of uh, projects. I really don't get much into that. That's uh, that's sort of a separate. Uh, category, separate type of financing within our world. Uh, there are real estate development finance specialists out there, and that's generally not what I I get into. I theoretically, under the right circumstances and depending on how they want to structure the financing, I could do that. But I, I would say that for the most part, that falls outside my bailiwick. All right, terrific. Um, talk us through just briefly, if you can, the process that a business owner who approaches you would go through, and then we'll talk about how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, well, generally, we, we start with uh, an initial contact, and, and that's usually via telephone. Uh, sometimes I set up a face-to-face. It's, it's not necessary, but we do that as well. And the first contact is really an interview process. And so what I try to find out is, first of all, how much money they're looking for, what the size of their business is, 
how the business is structured, how revenue flows through the business, and what their objectives are. So what I'm trying to do is figure out what the best product, because as I said, I have an array of them, sure, uh, what sure. the best product is for that particular business. Once I know that, then I can start honing in on the information that I need to get a submission together. After I do that, I submit it to a lender or lenders that I choose based on the circumstances, and I start working. I, I do what I call field underwriting. So I'll write up a, a field underwriting report for that lender based on the information I gather from the business owner. And once I do that, I submit, and then I begin speaking with the lender about the deal what the requirements are, what the money is going to be used for, the objectives we're trying to achieve. After the lender expresses serious interest, then we introduce them to the borrower. We get on the telephone, they ask their questions, we hone in on, on how we're specifically going to structure that particular transaction. From there, uh, the lender generates a letter of interest outlining what they're going to do, what the terms of the loan are going to be. If the customer accepts that, we get that signed and executed, comes back. It may include a small due diligence fee, which generally runs between $2,500 and $10,000. After that, we the lender fully underwrites the deal, may require a site visit. And once that's done, it's fully underwritten, they issue a commitment. And then we close the deal. Beautiful. Thank you. That's a great walkthrough. Brian Deneen, the company, Trinity Express Lending. Well, how can folks get a hold of you? What's the website they can visit? Or uh, even phone number information is fine. They can visit www.trinityexpresslending.com. Or they can call me directly at 414-588-5113. There it is. Thanks so much. Brian Deneen has been our guest, Trinity Express Lending. Alternative sources of capital. If you're in need of capital, uh, he is a source for you. Brian, thanks so much for joining us on the program. David, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Small Biz. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.